Welcome to the Food and Faith Podcast, conversations from the soil and around the table with your co-hosts, Anna Wolfenden, Derek Weston, and Sam Chaney. Faith Podcast community. This is Anna here, and I am here with my wonderful co-hosts, all three of us together. How's it going, team? I'll say it's been a while. It has. It has been a while, but it's good to be back. It's good to have everyone together, and uh, it's it's rainy here, and I, I, will, I will fully admit that that's affecting my mood. Um, so I, I, it's been several consecutive days of just dreary and gray and wet and when it is um when it is dry and i do am able to walk outside i'm totally surrounded by cicadas <laughs> so that's 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 me i'm a little like there's it's it's affecting my i will say i'll just say it that way it's affecting my mood um that out, outside feels inaccessible right now <laughs> well you know i uh, it is not raining here but it has been so hot here the last few weeks that I also have not really been able to be outside very much, except for very early in the morning, which is not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so there is something about when you can't go outside. So, yeah. You're telling it's... me you're not popping out of bed in the morning? What? <laughs> no, my sleep shift is between 6 a.m. and 9 a.m. And I, I take that shift. Um, See, now, Sam, I have had do to you remind... like the rain? I, well, I do right now. I have had to remind several people in my life that my love language is canceled plans. And so when it <laughs> rains like it, like I'm supposed to be out in my own personal garden today. I've got so much work to do just because I've been neglecting it for other work. And I should be out and it's raining and I'm like, ah, oh, darn, I can't go do that. So, um, so yeah, so I've got canceled plans today. I'm very excited about it. Um, it even cancels church on occasion. I've, 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 I've exchanged snow days at KNT, you know, like the snow church day for rain days where we're like, guys, it's just too wet. We can't mm. like, it's just not, it's just not ideal for us to be out. So, uh, so yeah, I, I am feeling loved and accepted and welcomed. <laughs> as a fan, so I'm in a great mood. <laughs> well, and see when it rains, it brings me back to my Pacific Northwest roots and I kind of love it. So I was, when it rained here last week, I was like, I'm like, I'm going to go outside and I'm going to go work in the garden in the rain. Cause this is, this is great. So, 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 so you're, you're welcome to Derek to send some rain a little North. I'm happy to take some of it for you. Just great. leave some for Sam slightly North of you. <laughs> Excellent. Um, so before we do jump into uh, what we're actually going to talk about. Um, and I assume you're too far North for cicadas. Yeah. We have not had, had the cicada adventure. As yet. Yeah. And Sam, how, are you getting them? You know, it's weird. There is this pocket of a whole lot of nothing. So everybody at church who works down, you know, closer to you, Derek, is like, you're driving down the road and you're just hitting them all over the place. We have had almost none. Wow. Um, I have heard them once. The prevailing theory is either, number one, it's an ag area, and because of that, the soil is constantly turned over, and therefore the cicadas don't have the opportunity to carry out their 17-year life. Interesting. Um, or the soil up here 
can be very full of clay, which might make it very difficult for them to burrow, you know, in this particular um, hmm. geology. And so those are my two working theories. But yeah, I've actually heard very little. You go a little farther north here into Pennsylvania, and I'm hearing there's swarms all over the place. And I hear down, you know, closer where you are, Derek, it's crazy. But right here, it's been it's been pretty quiet spring. Yeah, see, I think with all of the things that I've done to my yard, I've actually created the perfect environment for cicadas. Um, (laughs) So like the the ground has been worked enough that like it's soft and they're able to come through and they're they're everywhere in 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 my neighborhood i walk out of the house and it constantly sounds like there's a car alarm going off and it's just cicadas like they are weighing down bushes they are weighing down my fig tree they're weighing down my roses we are stepping on them constantly they fly into us non-stop and <laughs> land on us all the time my life is a big biblical plague right now and I, it's it, it's and at the after the year we've had this is not looking good i was not Wanting a second plague. <laughs> I was not in need of a second plague this year, folks. Um, so it's it's. <laughs> so where does your uh, safe house for cicadas rank on the list of grievances your neighbors have with you? Because I know there are several. Oh well, you know what? They're, we're 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 uh, listen. If they if they if they um, if they were able to somehow point this back to me, I, I would probably you know. Um, <laughs> I'd be kicked out of the neighborhood, I think, because yeah, they're, I don't they're think... everywhere. They're everywhere. Well, and you can't, they can't blame it on you because you haven't been working that soil for 17 years. That's so true. That's I true. don't know that, you know, 17 <laughs> years from now, they might be able to blame you. But like, <laughs> if there's an extreme can, increase. Yeah, I don't think they can blame you this 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 go around. That, that's right. That's right. Well, this is, and this is my first year living through this. Like, I, I like some people are just like, yeah, this is, this is what happened 17 years ago. And I'm like, and you, didn't move um <laughs> this like it's it's I mean, at least, crazy at least it's only every 17 years right it's only every 17 years and it's only six weeks and i guess we're about halfway done with it so see I, now, now, now my favorite meme about all this is that 17 years ago friends was wrapping up and 17 <laughs> years later the reunion episode happens and so as far as the cicadas <laughs> are concerned it's been ongoing <laughs> so i want to see the lost episodes of friends <laughs> fantastic good times good times (laughs) well i'm appreciating derek that you keep us updated on social media with the cicada adventures because i'm living vicariously in a way that i'm really happy to not have a soundtrack to it (laughs) (laughs) but i'm like intrigued by it i'm intrigued but i'm like this is a good thing to observe from a distance and i'm sorry you're going to try to record the sound but none of the none of the sound recordings did it justice uh the the nightmarish quality of it so so for those of you looking for a good cicadas and bourbon follow derek's your guy (laughs) when you're looking for that intersection this is you have to survive the cicadas somehow (laughs) yes the bourbon helps (laughs) well so when you're not uh battling the cicadas derek uh you're doing a bunch of other fabulous things and um we are going to take this episode just to catch up on our various three garden faith intersection projects that we are currently working on. And um, maybe we should start with cicada land. (laughs) Tell us, 
So the tell us what I, it looks like to garden in the midst of a second plague. I, How about it? So yeah. I, I I have I I will admit that the community garden where I work is actually like my refuge from the cicadas because there there's less in the and maybe it's maybe it is the fact that it's been it's been an agri uh, a worked space for a while and it's not no cicadas it's just mm -hmm. less cicadas um <laughs> at the community garden but um this is this is year two for us and it in the the leap we have taken from year one to year two has been just so phenomenal um i went to the garden yesterday and i was i was a little late there was some stuff going on at, at home so I, I got to the garden a little late um folks had already been working for about an hour and a half and i got there around nine o'clock and I had the feeling that I think that everyone in ministry and nonprofit work should have, which is the feeling of being obsolete. Mm -hmm. um, that like this thing was a well-oiled machine and it did not require me being there. Mm -hmm. And and people were busy, things were getting done, the space was being tended to, we harvested and um we so we've been taking um we've been taking produce on Thursday mornings to um, a local uh, pantry and, and been able to just kind of hang out and, and watch a little bit as, as the greens are being distributed. And, and one, it's really gratifying to watch people gravitate towards the fresh produce as opposed mm -hmm. to like the stuff in cans. Um, but also just, just um, you know, we're, our operation is such that we can give, you know, uh, you know, 50 heads of lettuce and say, we'll be back next week with another 50 heads of lettuce. Um, and it's just um, that we've gotten to that place in really in a year has been a, a testament to um great volunteers particularly the lead volunteer uh, my friend mckay who has just been uh, uh just an absolute rock star um in terms of getting seeds started and getting the space layout um but it's, it's just been it's just been great to see what can happen in a year um what can what the way that this space has turned around and 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 it last year it felt like this sort of impossible task that i was undertaking on my own and this year it's this big group community project um and there's one church in particular in the city uh brown memorial presbyterian in baltimore that has really adopted the space and and um so it's been it's been um the comparison between last year and this year has just been night and day um so it's been it's been uh it's been really fun <laughs> Now, I just wanted to draw out a little uh, definition here because I think that sometimes um, our definitions, we all get confused. Like, what's a community garden? What does a community garden mean, right? Mm -hmm. Because sometimes that means everyone has their own, like you have a plot, your neighbor has a plot and everyone gardens their own plot and or doesn't. And, you know, maybe you see someone else. But what you're doing is 
what I've often called a communal garden. I, I'm not I'm not quibbling with what you call it, but I, I think it's really important to describe that what you're doing is something different than everyone has their own plot. So it's a communal garden within a community garden. Uh huh. So tell us, like, like flesh that out for us. Yeah. So that's it's a great distinction, and I'm I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. So there is the 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 Rock Rose Community Garden is a is a Baltimore City space, and there are for the folks who live in that neighborhood, which is called Woodbury. There are a lot of different little plots that people around the neighborhood have their own individual plot community garden, but towards the rear of the space is a larger section which was uh referred to as the charity garden um i don't call it that anymore um just because i don't like that word um but it's this larger space that produces to to go uh produce to go to uh to be donated and that is a communal space where mm-hmm. volunteers are coming in from churches and other community organizations to contribute to the effort so it's a communal garden within a community garden beautiful that's cool yeah and i think that is important because one of the things we've said with the guard because we're also kt has multiple plots within a larger community garden and yeah and so when when i when i started managing the whole community garden so i so i managed the whole community garden plus the plus the knt plots in kind of a different way it's a similar kind of idea i said community garden can't mean it's just a bunch of people who happen to be gardening next to one another right. um because i said that's that's not actually what the world needs right. um, that's not helpful <laughs> um it's great but it's not really helpful nice so you know so with the with the garden that i managed we said look first of all we need to be a community like there needs to be relationships between us um and helping one another and getting to know one another um i said number two obviously we serve the community and so we're not we're not here to garden for ourselves we are here to garden for someone else we pray that it has benefits for you individually but it's not just about yourself and kind of you know hey look i'm this really special gardener you know and and trying to outdo one another um i think there's some there can be some fun with that but i've watched that go sideways in some bad ways and then finally i said you know we're here to build community like it's not just serving you know those with food it really is about how do we connect other people through this work you know we're getting calls now all the time from scouts and from 4-h and from you know community organizations like hey we want to come in and work in the garden okay great what are the organizations inside the garden and how can we get them in relationship to people that want to come work the garden um, and figure out, you know, projects that can spread out beyond us? So community garden feels like it has to be dynamic and different than just a bunch of plots next to one another. And if it's not, it doesn't make it a bad project. It just doesn't make it a terribly dynamic one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that, that it's the, the the human connection, like not just having their plants be in community with each other, right? Yeah. But actually having the people and the yeah, like I said, the organizations and and I feel like that's where, you know, that's where those of us who walk in the the faith world and the faith community world, I think, have something to to bring to the conversation in terms of some of the ways that we can cultivate that we are attuned to cultivating community can happen in these gardening spaces. And um, you know, so I'm curious for both of you in both of your settings, you know, obviously KT is is it explicitly a a religious community, a worshiping community. Um, and Derek, I know you work with various churches and faith groups. Um, how does faith, and I, I use that term very broadly, right? How does, how does faith or faith community show up in your 
gardening settings. Yeah, you know what? You know what's weird is, and maybe this is unique to keep until I don't know. And we have some we have some organizational stuff we're still trying to think through. Like the vision is still developing. Um, but because of that. I'm not always sure that I know yet. Like there's a there's faith that faith is present. Does that make sense? Like there's this there's this mm-hmm. conviction that by the action that we do and the ways that we structure our activity together that God shows up. So although we can't always identify that and and being able to say, well, you know, here's the ways God is working. I mean, obviously we see positive things and we trust that God is in that. Um, you know, but there's lots of times I'm like, I just really don't I don't know. So, so yeah, so when we're in the garden and we do communion and we, you know, there's this wider sense. And this is one of the things I love about the work that we do is that when we take the body and blood of Christ, as we understand it, we take it out to a space that doesn't look like a church and we receive it there. There's something really profound about that and beautiful. And, you know, folks draw, draw their own, own conclusions, but it's fairly, it's fairly stark that, you know, Christ gives his body and blood for us we give ourselves we are we are we are blessed broken and given for the world i mean all of that kind of plays itself out you know but i was having a conversation with somebody the other day and they were like you know hey even in these spaces that are explicitly defined by faith some people just aren't ready or interested in that conversation they just want to come pick the peas and the conviction of that is even in the picking of peas there is something that is formational about that um and so when it's not explicit at all like and it doesn't it's not even that it carries a specific religion's kind of dogma or character. There's still something spiritual about that. That's always been my conviction. I've always found deep faith and spirituality in farmers who never darken the doors of a church. And that's what brought me into this. And so I don't always know. And but it feels like wonder is a good place to start the conversation of faith. And that's that's kind of where I want to live. And I'm okay with the tension. It frustrates some people sometimes because they want to draw a straight line from what we right. do to what God is doing. And I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of want to participate in this and be surprised by something for a change. Right. Right. And maybe God can just be in all of it. Hmm. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Maybe God's yeah. bigger than the dogmas that we keep we hmm. keep proclaiming. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah, I'm oh, not saying. Beautiful. I'm just saying. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but but Derek, yours is yours is very different. I mean, I, I'm I'm really fascinated in your in your question in this your answer to this question. Well, I mean, but I'll, but I I start where you ended. I think primarily where the faith component of of our garden is um, is that it's it's a place where people experience awe, and I I I, I 100% echo what you just said that. That that is that is um, maybe maybe the thing the church has um, sacrificed most in in the doing of theology has been um, a sense of awe and and you know we got our we got our potatoes our sweet potato slips uh, a week or two ago and um, uh, you know see previous episodes um, but. Um, the fact that you can have a sweet potato slip that looks just pathetic and on like it's on death's door but you see a couple roots put it in the ground and a couple weeks later you have a thriving plant because the roots are going to do their job um that the, I know that there is science there, right? And like, I don't, you know, discount the science there. But 
that still creates awe in me. It still creates mm-hmm. wonder. There's still something pretty magical about that. Um, so what's been great about this, the space this year is that it's kind of, like I said, it's kind of been adopted by one particular faith community. And, you know, one of the things that I'm really excited to see is that this is becoming um, a significant part of the life of that faith community. And I, I, you know, I think in this time where um, traditional churches, and, and this is a fairly traditional congregation, you know, uh, there, there's going to be some reevaluating as reopening happens. Of, of where is our energy going to go? What, what, what actually is the place where our our churches uh, values meet up with our mission and and what we say matches up with what we what we do um this becomes a place of of praxis for that congregation and i'm excited about about that that this becomes a place where um some really tangible elements of faith can be lived out um both in providing for those in Baltimore who are food insecure, but in also in putting our hands in the dirt and reconnecting with our own source of life. Um, so, I, you know, it's it's kind of not what I expected this season to be like. I kind of was was imagining inviting sort of a a brighter a, a, a broader um, swath of faith communities into this one space. But what I'm actually kind of shifting gears towards is like actually encouraging faith communities to find their space like this mm-hmm. um, because there are so many spaces like this. And instead of bringing everyone to one space, like let's start cultivating the other spaces around where people can also find church in, in the unexpected, the, um, uh, we are, are, are we had a guest use the the term the cathedral of creation, which I'm I'm mm. I, I I latched on to that term, um, and I and I'm I'm kind of in love with it right now. Um, so having other people kind of find that cathedral, you know, um, is is really something that I'm I'm excited about doing. Anna, what what are what are you what are you up to? What are you doing growing wise? I mean, I realize you're you know you're helping to grow a human right now, um, but um, keeping a human alive. Wait, yeah. did, did did you stop growing humans? Like... No, no, no. My human, my human. Well, they're still growing. <laughs> I feel like I feel like I'm I'm less hands on on that. Um, That's fair. Still, they, they still want to eat. I'm still I'm still purchasing the food. Um, <laughs> but um, no, I'm also still growing humans. Um, but uh, Anna, what 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 are you what are you up to in terms of uh, Good News Garden stuff and and um, ways that you've been able to participate in the midst of all the other things that are being have been going on uh, in your life the big 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 transitions that you've had going on in your life this year well i am um, i mean my own home garden is i i realized i was saying to my husband the other day i was like i had no idea how much time i used to spend in the garden mm. because now that the time is so carefully budgeted of like hey let's look at the day schedule for the day and who's 
who's, you know, taking care of the little one. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, an hour and a half goes really fast in the garden, especially I think last year's garden, you know, early pandemic, everything was working from home. I probably spent two or three hours every morning out there and I didn't even quite even notice it. And now I'm like, oh, um, time is precious in a different way. But um, so I, I feel very behind on my own garden, though I think it's almost almost everything is in. Um, and it's kind of fun. I'll just share with my, on our, so you know, listeners know that I'm gardening in like these canvas bags all around our, this, uh, apartment house that we're in. Um, but we'll be moving at the end of the month. Um, cause my, my new job comes with a, with a rectory. So, uh, mm-hmm. which has a big yard. Um, and so I'm so excited cause we're literally going to move the garden like mid season because they're all in these bags with handles. Oh, wow. So, so I have like, I don't know, 60, 70 bags around the house, uh, around the outside of the house and renting like a U-Haul van and some uh, friends, uh, college kids who are home for the summer are going to, we're going to hire them to come and help and we're going to move the garden, which I just find like delight and just kind of makes me giggle. Like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> this is really fun. <laughs> like the, I, the idea of moving my garden would give me nightmares, but yeah. <laughs> right. I, I mean, switching. like, <laughs> right. Like it's like kind of an impossible thought in general, but it's like, oh, this is, and because I'm so behind on it, the tomatoes are only like a foot high anyway so i think that you know i'll I'll stake them and things but i think it'll i think it'll mostly survive um but the other fun thing is that we share the garden with our upstairs neighbors who are not moving and so the couple of raised beds and some of the it's i'm leaving and it's been this fun thing of um being like okay like you're gonna be i mean like you can still like text me and I can come by, but like, this is going to like, you're going to be doing this your own, on your own. So there's been a lot of fun, like training and okay, what do I do about this? And um, it feels like I'm kind of like, you know, l- letting the little baby gardeners, gonna, they're going to fly <laughs> um, and trying to set up a very like small, sustainable, like, like I kind of go crazy and plant a million things and there's never too many tomatoes, but trying to set up a garden for them that, they can can manage um has been a fun a fun project um and just to see their delight in in that um so so that's on the that's on the home front um and i'll let you know how the garden move goes and if things survive <laughs> picks or it didn't happen <laughs> yeah no they'll be pictures <laughs> they'll totally be pictures yes they will be pictures um and then it's also kind of nice on the other end because i don't know yet like i haven't sat in that in the new yard all day to see where the sun goes. And I'm like, well, that's fine. We just move the bags to the different side of the yard. If we need to, like, it's, it feels like a very low pressure way to do a, to do a, a, you know, and I look forward to putting in permanent raised beds in ground. I mean, next season there'll be, I won't be gardening in bags, but this year it it works out quite well for us. (laughs) Oh, um, but yeah, on the bigger front, um, so I have been um, leading a, a movement here in Massachusetts in the Episcopal Church in the Diocese of Massachusetts, which is Eastern Massachusetts and the Diocese of Western Massachusetts um, with Good News Gardens, which is a Episcopal Church-wide movement to bring people together to pray and plant and proclaim. And this idea of bringing that intersection of growing food and sharing food and faith together. Um, 
And so it's been really fun to be able to be part of encouraging and supporting um, a lot of different individuals and churches um, in their in their gardening projects. Um, and particularly right now, we're doing a 10-week curriculum that um, our good friend, our, our collective good friend on the podcast, Naria Love Parish, yes. um, put together from Plain Song Farm, which is doing the thing that actually both of you were kind of touching on of how do you draw that theological thread? Um, so people who are coming to this to this um we're calling it growing faith it's like a weekly group it means on zoom because this is the land we live in and it means people all the way across the commonwealth can you know be there but um we're just taking time to do that spiritual and like theological reflection um and and tie it to the work that people are doing in their home gardens in their church gardens there's a lot of new gardens that have gone in in churches um you know talked last week about like food insecurity and how does that, you know, and, um, actually another friend from the pod, um, pastor Daryl Harris was, was the, the speaker on the, in the curriculum and talking about the Joseph story. And, uh, you know, so just, it's been really, it's been fun for me to, especially in this year where I'm doing my own garden, but I'm, I don't have my hands in any community or communal garden right now. Like, and, and I don't, and I'm not, and I'm like, you know, in between church calls. So like, I, I, I kind of, I don't have that like hands-on community that I'm plugged into right now, but instead to be um, doing theological reflection with all of these different people who do have their hands in a in-person, or we should say a local, you know, expression of, of um, gardening and um, hearing their reflections has been really powerful. And um and I recommend the curriculum from Plain Song for anyone who's like wanting to help a group. And I think about like your situation, Derek. I mean, maybe K and T too, but like, it, um, you know, the kind of the the churchy people. And this is you know from a Christian perspective, but like the, the that are like they're used to doing Bible studies and da da da. But like to have it be about like, okay, while you're gardening, <laughs> here are some things to think about. Um, has been has been powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's been interesting, you know, I, I've been, I've been developing this class on, on, um, on food and race, and I've, I've integrated a lot of scripture into it, the, the last uh, two go rounds I've done. And, and so it's, it's really interesting to start at the scripture and theology part versus starting at the gardening part. Um, and it's, you know, I, I don't, I, kind of watching it happen from both sides, I don't know which is quote unquote easier. I don't know, do you, do you, is it easier to start with the practical and then add the theology onto it? Is it easier to start with the theology and get people to move towards the the practical hands-on work? Sam, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, I, I feel like as as a as a pastor who's kind of working in two different contexts, you've probably uh, you, you've probably seen both sides of this. Yeah, I have, and it is an interesting question. And I find both approaches work with. I hate to draw too straight of a line, but, you know, work with different audiences. Mm. Um, as I've made the case to sort of more established 
religious outpost churches, you know, that kind of thing. I find it easier to start with scripture and to, and to, and, and one of, one of my favorite things is, is, and I'll use the image of tilling is kind of till up some of that scripture, like re like begin the process of reimagining it, trying to put some nutrition back into it. Like, you know, mm. one of my favorites, and you mentioned the cathedral of creation. Like I'm convinced that's what Genesis one is. Mm-hmm. It's saying that we've, we've lost our temple, but we still have the temple that is creation in which mm. we worship and, and, and have our being. And so reimagining it, like moving away from the, how did God make the world to what is the world intended to be is, you know, mm. does that, does that tilling work? So for me, it's fun to start there. And I find folks respond to that fairly well. But when you're not in a overtly religious context, um, I find that beginning in the garden and just beginning with people's experience, like, what did you see here? What did you find here? Like, what are you doing here? Why are we, why are we picking peas in 95 degree weather, which isn't a great idea because that's not where peas, that's not ideal for peas. But you understand like the point of like, why are you doing this work? And we discover that there are, there are spiritual overtones to that every single time. Um, you know, part of the pastoral work is helping people kind of discover that, you know, for some, it's just like, well, I just want to do something good for the community. And then, you know, and, and, and then you start down that hole of, well, why, you know, like why, why this work as opposed to other work, you know, and, and, and before long, we're having that conversation about wonder and all. And so, uh, and so there are different places and I've, that's one of the things I enjoy about the movement is I feel like my pastoral toolbox has a lot more tools for a lot more, you know, places that, that I get, I get to go rather than here's the way it kind of has to unfold. And so being open and, and curious about how people come to these spaces, why they come to these spaces and what they experience when those in those spaces is what, uh, is what keeps me coming back to these spaces for sure. Well, I think that that's, it connects to so well to this, my experience with this group, because it, um, these are people who say, I want to do the theological reflection and not, but, but, and their experience of gardening is all that you just said, right? Like they're not like someone's wanders by their church garden and they start to have a conversation about zucchini with them. They're not saying, and let me tell you about scripture. Yeah. But what's been beautiful is they come back and we have a time at the beginning where everyone shares their good news. And I've talked about like, you know, God is in all of this. Like this is God is in all of this. So it's our job every week to pay attention to where is God at work as we're doing this work of good news gardens. Um, and so I think that that's been a really beautiful part to see is to help people make the connection without superimposing the like faith part onto the people who are like, I'm just having a conversation about zucchini. And it's like, let, let it just be a conversation about zucchini. But then the person who's doing the theological reflection can be like, that was a God moment. And let me tell you why. Uh, And so that just feels like a beautiful invitation. Um, It kind of makes me think of that at the the garden church, we had this um, ritual that we did at the end of the service where we so we called it, where did you see God today? And we just basically like people ask people, where did you see or taste or experience here? The, you know, the working of God. And what I saw happening was people were started developing a practice of looking for it because it's always there, right? It's, it's that wonder. It's that awe. I mean, I think to me, that's the act of faith is looking for how God is at work in the world. It's not that we 
something does not become like a spiritual thing because we show up like it 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 is god is there doing god's thing and then when we pay attention to it then we're engaging in that as as spiritual practice or an act of faith and so i don't know i'm just curious going back to the conversation where we started off of like where do you see in the intersection of faith in your these two gardening settings and it's maybe the question is not like how do we bring faith to the garden it's how do we have cultivate practices of paying attention as we garden communally because the, it's already there it's just whether we're it's just how we're like naming it that yeah. that we can cultivate differently yeah, we make the same right. Like disciple, like the way that we understand discipleship and talk about it, which you know is is a word that sometimes comes with some baggage, you know. But I'm like, but I, it's a word that still matters to me. Is well, discipleship is about a widening vision. It really is about it's about being able to see God in something beyond oneself. And so, of course, it starts at the cross, but then discerns the community around the, the cross, and then discerns the community in which that community finds itself. So you have sort of local church, and then you find yourself in a wider community and then that wider community finds itself in an ecosystem that ecosystem finds itself in a climate and that climate finds itself in a continent and then that continent you know like it's always we're always in the midst of something else that god is doing and so yeah it so the the most fundamental act is just to be able to see that and we can't you know we're finite we can't see it all at the same time but be, but but to be aware that 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 god is if God is indeed the God of the universe, well, then what is happening in the Milky Way and in black holes is the is is the same act of God that's happening amongst the amongst the zucchini. Um, and so, yeah, so it really is about expanding that vision. And once our vision, once we see it, once 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 our eyes are opened and our hearts are open to it, well, then God's God's going to do the unique things that God does. Like you know, then that that gets that's deeply personal, and you know, we can join one another. But God's going to do it. But our job as, as proclaimers is just say, you know, God's kind of already doing all this. God's involved in all of this. Just keep looking and find it. And I think the way that you described it and the practice of being intentional about looking, looking for it is really, is really powerful. As, um, as I was getting ready to, uh, when we, when we interviewed Ellen Davis, um, I read her book and I read it for the first time, um, scripture, culture, and agriculture. And one of the things that she, she mentions is that those words in Genesis that we often, um, translate as keep until, um, can also be translated as observe and protect. Um, and, I particularly love the idea that a part of our spiritual practice is observation, mm -hmm. um, that being able to observe the natural world. Um, I, and, and I will actually say that this is one place where um, not all of social media, just Instagram, um, has, has actually contributed to, um, to my, my spiritual practice. Um, I've actually been like moving farther and farther away from social media with the exception of Instagram, because I think it does help me sometimes with observation. And I, 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 I was very aware of the fact that, um, as much as I've seen and like, am, am always trying to create and actually even at times bought ladybugs for my garden 
I didn't actually know what ladybug larva looked like until I saw a picture of ladybug larva on Instagram and then started looking through some of my plants and saw the same uh, black and orange Oriole colored um, larva like crawling around on my milkweed. And I'm like, I have ladybug larva on my, on my milkweed. And like uh, that observation then leads to the awe, you know? And, and I think that um, being able to, to not force this idea of of faith into our gardening we're not you know it, it doesn't need to be forced um we we do need to slow down and i think that's one of the beautiful things that gardening does for us is that it it slows us down to observe these little things and 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 sometimes the little things are the things that are eating our plants and not the little things that are going to eat the things that eat our plants um but it but it slows us down to observe those things to find those things to watch for them to to figure out what they are to um figure out are they a good part of our ecosystem are they a a, a bad part of a harmful part of our ecosystem um all of that is spiritual. All of that is all of that is um, all of that is doing the work of of finding where God is at work. And um, if we are allow ourselves to slow down and and work at the rhythm that nature works, um, you know, the, as as much as I'm complaining about the rain, which is a significant amount of complaining. Um, I'm going to go outside in a couple of days and I'm going to see the fact that things in my garden have shot up because God is way better at watering plants than I am. And that my garden looks way healthier, you know? Um, And, and, you know, again, like there's a humility in that of like the fact that like, I can't do what rain does for my garden. I can't, I can't, do what God does for my garden. I can't do what the natural cycles that were were set in motion from the beginning of the world do on their own. Um, and that that both creates awe and humility. Um, and I think those are two pretty great spiritual virtues to cultivate. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, I think when anytime we we slow ourselves down enough to find our our proper role in the connected and the created order, um, we're we're doing a spiritual practice. Hmm. That'll preach. Man's getting after it. <laughs> well, I mean, that seems like that can lead us into uh what's bringing us hope today i mean i think that and i think that that's the practice right so we ask this question every time even when it's just the three of us because (laughs) it's a practice that's right right and uh so yeah sam take that question wherever you want to go it could be about garden but so (laughs) you're starting with me yeah i am yeah so my my point of hope is is in a story um 
just very, very briefly, um, you know, K&T has gone through so many iterations and so many chapters in our life together. And this this place where we find ourselves now in the midst of this community garden, in the midst of our city is not what we set out to do. Um, it's not it wasn't sort of the original vision, but God looks at our visions and laughs. So I'm very I'm very comfortable with that. Um, and it's just been a joy to have a new um, to have a new set of adopters that are around us, um, which is which has been fun. Like that's that's part of the hope. It's like, oh wow, there's a there's a new group of people who are is who share this vision for you know sustainable agriculture in the middle of the city. That's wonderful. But together we ran into um, a project that is happening in the city. It's a little project called B City USA. I don't know much about it other than that they're trying to raise awareness of pollinators um, throughout the country and cities can can apply for this sort of accreditation um if they put in pollinator gardens and stuff so we heard about this and said oh gee we've got we've got some space like we'll just till up some a strip of land and we'll put something in and so the other day we actually got to put a bunch of pollinators in um bunch of coneflower a bunch of bunch of herbs you know just stuff like that and you know that is great and it's a wonderful project like and we ended up on the front page of the paper which was really weird i wasn't expecting that my parents opened the paper and there i am like front page like oh great (laughs) but what was but what brought me hope was that because we started this saying where we're at is not what we intended to do but that act of putting in pollinator gardens and and drawing attention to the wider ecosystem in the work of agriculture is exactly what we intended to do and so it it's not a huge project it doesn't deserve to be on the front page of the paper but the thing that god put in our heart is still there and god brought it out in a way that we couldn't have mapped it and wouldn't have predicted it but there's some pollinators there alongside of our garden. And we've we've been here for five years, and that's the first time we've had the door has been open, so to speak, to make that happen. And so the hope is, is that what we dreamed up and that little seed that God planted looks a lot different. And in the same way, it's exactly what we set out to do in the first place. And so that hope that faith is larger than us, that God's plans are larger than us, and that God got that this this thing that we call this church organization or whatever is its own kind of plant that's going to do its own kind of thing and kind of go where it's going to go no matter what our intentions are for it and yet still accomplish its purposes is what gives me hope today so um so it was fun to put in the pollinators and that's what that that's what's putting a smile on my face today Mm. that's awesome that's great what about you derek I hope that the cicadas will leave. In this <laughs> it's coming. They're all, they have so, a shelf life. We're not. They, they do have a shelf. Close. They do have a shelf life. But but I will I will I will actually say and 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 this is in my in my best moments. <laughs> in my best moments, what what gives me hope actually is the cicadas, and 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 here's why. Um, one. There's something amazing. There, there really is something amazing about like, uh, like an alarm clock being set that goes off every 17 years, and these animals just knowing what to do every 17 years to find a mate, to find food, to um, keep their keep their species going. Like, there's something amazing about that, and and the fact that everywhere they emerge they are aerating the soil and they're they're making the soil more fertile where they go and they're leaving their shells behind and those shells are decomposing and adding organic uh matter to the soil and that 
there are there are birds uh, like i have i have seen so many birds that have just like come through my backyard and and are just finding snacks you know finding cicada snacks um and and, and like that is you know for a solid year those birds are are not thinking having to think about where their food source is coming from because it's everywhere and it's it's kind of this hard reset of the ecosystem hmm every 17 years and uh, you know there's something really amazing about that i mean there's something really hopeful about that to me of of being able to see this um rearrangement of of the natural order uh rearrangement of the foods of the of the food chain of the of the of the ecosystem um that says to me that we can do that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that we can make some hard, we can do a hard reset. You know, there's sort of the hope that I had from the pandemic was that I still kind of cling to is sort of this idea of like our society and our values getting this hard reset. Um, and I still think that's happening. I still, I still see it that like people are really rethinking their work lives. They're really rethinking their communal lives. They're really rethinking um, the ways in which normal worked for them and the ways that it didn't. Um, and, you know, so sometimes it does take these plague like um, natural occurrences to make us reevaluate and and reorganize the ways that we think about things and so um that that in a weird i still wish they'd go away kind of way like the cicadas do give me hope well you know it makes me think that we were you know say like we're comparing the the biblical narrative of the plagues but are the cicadas actually the year of jubilee no hear me out because what you just said like is it a reset right like no, I, biblically, I hear, biblically, yeah i i, I get we, it i, I, hear, I get I it it's hear. not it's not but, but I, I just I, like is is in there this invitation to to this deep examining and reconfiguring yeah. yeah that that a year of jubilee in the biblical sense you know could that offer yeah yeah it's a it's a great way of thinking about it. And, and again, in my in my completely healthy uh, best self moments, I think I can go there. <laughs> How about you, Anna? What's giving you hope? Um, you know what's giving me hope are seeds. I keep so I, we're reading the uh, Eric Carl's seed book. You know, it's on the stack of board books, <laughs> um, and planting all these seeds, and. Rest in peace, Eric Carl. By the way, he re- rest recently, in peace, Eric Carl. Passed away. Yes, yes. Um, and it's just amazing how these tiny little things that look like they're dead—we know they're not actually—but they look like they're dead, and they're so small, and they're such variety of them. Not only grow things that can feed us and cleanse the air and you know enrich the soil but also that they are then going to produce seeds 
that will perpetuate. And I guess I've been thinking about it too, in terms of Good News Gardens that, um, you know, I had kind of this grand big idea of what this project was going to look like. And it really is not the big grand thing thing. It's this very organic, beautiful thing. And people are saying, okay, so I'm doing this little project this year, but next year it's like all these seeds are being planted and thinking about how that is so much better than just plopping some big finished, you know, finished, if you will, plant into a garden, right? It's actually to be engaging in this dynamic regenerative process of planting seeds, cultivating them, new seeds coming, saving them, having the winter, like this, this, this bigger, bigger part of the, um, the cycle. So I find hope and, um, comfort, I would even say like, there's a, there's like, there's a part of me that's like, oh my gosh, I have to run, 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 get it done. Da, 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 is just kind of calmed by saying, oh no, like we plant seeds <laughs> and they grow. And then something else happens next year. And that, that one marigold seed that you plant this year is going to make a bagillion seeds next year. And, uh, that, that is, um, that's the way that the cycle works and that we can, we can trust that. So seeds are giving me hope. Amen. Indeed. So, well, well it's we good had, to, we had to say goodbye to Derek. I know he had to go to another meeting. I guess we should probably end then or something. Yeah. I was, I figured we all say something before we left. I figured I was explaining why they're not going to hear from Derek. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's good. And my battery just says it's low and there's, probably a small child that's ready to, you know, absolutely have some attention, but it's great to hang out with you all. It absolutely is. So, <laughs> and we'd love to hear, Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. So for everyone, you know, we're just sharing stories about where we're at, you know, it's these, it's these early days of summer post Memorial day, you know, and so there's a lot of, so gardens have gone in, they're starting to develop and we'd love to hear from our listeners just about how their garden projects are going and what they're learning. And, even answer some of the questions that we're mulling over together. And so find us on Facebook, find us on Twitter, um, and just share what's going on. Instagram too. Yes. I always. Yeah. You can find us on Instagram. We'll yeah, try to find you. you. We'll, find, we'll try to remember to check it. And yeah. And if you've got a story that needs to be told, we'd be happy to have, have you come on and tell that story. And so, uh, so we want to continue to engage and support the work that is happening wherever it is. Um, even outside of Maryland and Massachusetts. <laughs> so, um, this is true. so we encourage you to log on, check us out and, uh, and, share the pod and share your stories as well. So Anna, good seeing you all the best as you grow plants and people. Thank you. You as well, my friend, and we'll see all of you listeners next week. We are excited to invite you to a free conference this summer. It's called Sustaining Church, Reimagining Communities of Faith in a Climate Crisis. The aim of this conference is to bring together theological thinking on creation care with those that are actively growing or starting Christian communities that care for land. The hope is that this will be the first of many conversations that inspire further theological thinking around caring for creation, as well as an opportunity to network and empower localized growing communities of faith. Some of our keynote speakers will be familiar to fans of this podcast. Nuriel of Parrish, Ellen Davis, and Norman Wurzba, just to name a few. A full list of speakers and tickets can be found at www.hazelnutcommunityfarm.com. Thank you for listening to the Food and Faith Podcast. 
Our collaborators are Wake Forest School of Divinity, Plain Song Farm, The Garden Church, and The Keep and Tell. Editing is by Derek Weston and music by Paul Deemer. Follow along and keep up to date with the podcast on Facebook at Food and Faith Podcast, Twitter and Instagram at Food and Faith Pod, or on our website at foodandfaithpodcast.org.